There's such a sweet presence of God in the building tonight. And I feel a very strong word from the Lord. He gave me late this afternoon, this evening, actually right before church. I say strong not in a severe way, but rather in a uh, a way that I feel that we as a church need to uh, not take lightly, if you please. Um, we have a church, as a church, have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to the Lord for our family, for a community, for our country. There's many different times that God addressed our responsibility as a church, as a people. Tonight, I would like to tie into that thought just for the next few moments. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Matthew chapter 12 and also Matthew chapter 16. Let me say what a privilege it has been to be with this wonderful church thus far. My family and I have been overwhelmed by the hospitality and the kindness. You have a wonderful, wonderful church. Your kindness is impeccable, and it is our privilege to be here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. This is Jesus talking to Peter upon Peter's revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And he says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I preach tonight invisible opposition. Invisible opposition. The Lord, I believe, wants to speak to the church tonight. Bring us to another dimension greater than where we've been thus far. Can we pray together right now? Father, we come in the name of Jesus, desiring the sincere milk of the word of God. Asking for the anointing of your spirit to move mightily in this place. Asking God that your spirit would rest upon each person's mind. Let there be an openness and a willingness to move with the word of God and what you want to do in this place tonight. Hallelujah. I bind every spirit that would try to stand against the work of God right now. In the name of Jesus, can we clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you as you're being seated this evening. God desires unity. With unity comes harmony, peace, delight. All of these are a byproduct of unity. 
At the Tower of Babel, God confounded their language because their unity was going to produce something that God did not desire. Their unity was so strong that it was going to produce something that was not even pleasing to God. God confounded their language. God brought disunity to a unified people. Thousands of years later, he chose to bring about unity again by confounding our language. It is through receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues or babble, if you please. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you also receive the spirit of unity. It's more than just talking in tongues. You are being unified with the body of Christ. It's a, it's a spirit of unity that God gives you. A united people can accomplish great things. I recently read about a professor who gave an IQ test to his class. And individually they were average. But he divided them in groups of four or five and they tested at genius level. I'm talking about what can be accomplished when there is unity in purpose and unity in spirit. The church cannot be stopped when we are unified. Unity, unity. Hear me tonight. Living for God is more than meets the eye. We have a tendency as humanity to place great value on what is visible. What we can see. When in reality all that glitters isn't gold. But as humanity, we have preconceived ideas based upon what we can see with the human eye. I may have touched on this, I'm not sure, but in the book of Mark, when they let the man down through the roof, Jesus looked at him and said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And they looked at him like, You're crazy. And he knew what was going on in their heart. And he said, Okay, to prove to you that I have the power to forgive this man's sin, I'm going to heal his body. And he spoke to them, and they were made a believer based upon what they saw. When in reality, God had already done the work of forgiving his sins in the invisible. We place value on what is visible, many times ignoring the invisible. But hear me. Just because someone looks like they're united, doesn't always mean they're united. Just because someone... Lord, help me, talks in tongues. Doesn't mean they're on the bandwagon. Tongues is a spiritual edifier, not a spiritual indicator. Just because you talk in tongues doesn't mean you're part of the, of the group and you're trying to move this thing towards greater heights. And I've seen people talk in tongues like a Chinaman, but try to tear a church apart. I know a man that was in the middle of a 30-day fast and had an affair with, on his wife, cheated on his wife. So you can't place value on everything that you see. 
You may have a bunch of people that walk like a Pentecostal, act like a Pentecostal, talk like a Pentecostal. But that doesn't mean they're united. That doesn't mean that they're in this thing for the good of the church. You can't place so much value on what you see with the human eye. Because there is things that happen in the spirit. The invisible. See, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds, plural, were framed by the word of God. Many people think, well, there's so many different worlds out there. And there could be. That doesn't matter neither here nor there. Who cares? I'm not going. But I'll tell you what this verse does indicate. By plurality of worlds, it is indicating the visible and the invisible. What is seen and what is not seen. And believe me, there is just as much, if not more, of an invisible world than there is a visible world. But we only put value on what we can see. Because our minds have a hard time grasping what we can't see or what we don't understand. We judge everything by the visible. But God judges everything by the invisible. He told Samuel, man looketh on the outward. Man looks at what they could see. But I look at the invisible. I look at what you don't see. I see them when they leave the church. I see them in the home. I see it when they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing. That's where I'm looking at them. Don't put so much value on just the, the, the facade that they walk with in the church. I'm looking at them in the invisible. But what is more important, what is more important than what you see is what you don't see. The invisible. If we address the invisible with the visible, we're in, pro- we're in for problems. Because you can't fight invisible with visible. You're not going to fight. You're not going to defeat the spirit through the flesh. The only way you you defeat the invisible is through the invisible. If we take care of the invisible, the visible takes care of itself. There's a lot of people that are operating on the visible. But invisibly, they're deteriorating. They're rotten. They're trying to keep up the visible. But the invisible is getting the best of them. Invisible opposition is worse than visible opposition. At least visible opposition, you know where they stand. But see, invisible opposition is kind of two-faced. Because on the outside, you think they're part of of what's happening. But on the inside... You don't know where they stand. You know people like that. You know people that when you're around them, you're the greatest thing since life's bread. But when you when they pat you on the back, they're looking for a hollow spot. Hear me. That's everywhere we go. Invisible opposition will wreak havoc on a unified church. I would rather have somebody tell me I'm not coming to prayer meeting. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing, at least I know where they stand. 
at least they're being honest, even if it is detrimental to the work of God, at least they're being honest about it. But don't come and act like you're a part and then try to tear down the kingdom of God. You're wreaking havoc on what God is trying to do. Amen. Don't act like you're a part of it when you're not a part of it. I'd rather somebody just be blatantly honest with me and say, I'm just not going to do it. Fine. Lord bless you. I'll pray for you. Don't act like you love God when you don't love him. Don't act holy when you're not holy. I'm talking about the invisible opposition. The invisible opposition. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 29, or how, how else can you, how, can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? Hear me, this is implying spiritual opposition. Spiritual opposition. In our case, invisible opposition. He said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me Scatter it abroad. People who oppose the work of God are bringing disunity to the church. These people cannot be dealt with in the physical. You will exhaust yourself trying to get someone to do something in the physical when the physical is not their problem, the spiritual is. You'll exhaust yourself. You can't counsel somebody in the physical who's messed up in the spiritual. We'll be beating our heads against the wall all night because it's not the physical, the problem. It's the invisible. It can only be addressed in the visible. Visibly, they may look unified, but invisibly, they're opposing the work of God. So how do you handle it? What do you do with people like that? Jesus said, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You fight invisible with invisible. You go to prayer and you begin to do some binding and some loosing. And you let God take care of people who don't want to be unified in the work of God. You let God take care of it. You're not going to win the invisible with the visible. Hear me, I have seen people... Get so mad at Sister Sally. Just get plump fighting mad. And try everything from talking to them, talking about them, talking to the pastor. But the only way Sister Sally's going to get her act together is when a church begins to pray and a church begins to bind the spirits that are trying to hinder the work of God when the church fights the invisible with the invisible and not in the physical. Then you let God take care of it. You let God bring that person back into harmony with the body of Christ. You let God bring about a unity. You let God. You don't ostracize some. Ostr- Boy, that's a big word. You don't isolate somebody. Whew. I was reaching for 25 cents and I only had a nickel. You don't isolate somebody because they're bringing disunity to the body. You pray for them and, and accept them when they try to get back in the body. Amen. You don't, you don't try to fight the invisible with the visible. 
You don't get into a bickering match with them because they're not trying to be supportive. You go to prayer and you start binding and you start loosing and you let God bring them back into the unity of the work of God. Hear me, there is a world out there that you don't see. There was a friend of mine, very dear friend of mine, told me of a, a, a testimony of a lady in his church. When she was a child, her one day they were playing at her grandparents' house. And growing up, her grandparents always said, Don't nobody go back there behind the shed. Nobody go back there behind the shed. Well, one day there were there was a bunch of the grandkids, and she said, I'm gonna go back there behind the shed. So she went back there behind the shed. And she saw a big figure back there behind the shed, like a big black, dark figure. And so she went and told Momo. She told her grandparents about it. And, and thinking her grandmother would be furious at her from go, for going behind the shed. And she said she wasn't furious. She told her, she said, they were devil worshipers. And behind the shed is where they did their sacrifices to Satan. And it was prophesied over them that there would be someone in their family that could see into the spirit realm. And they were excited because this was the person in their family, this little girl, that could see into the realm of the spirit. And so she began to become more and more involved into that realm. Growing up, she was a devil worshiper. She would wake up in the morning and she would see devils and demons throughout her room and she would welcome them because that was a sign of favor with, with Satan. Later on, fast forward through, I think maybe in her 20s or 30s, I'm not exactly sure, but God saved her and filled her with the Holy Ghost, but she could still see in the spirit. And she would wake up and she would still see those demons coming in. And she would begin to plead the blood until all of them were gone. Now hear me, there's very few people that operate in that realm. But that does not mean that it's not there. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mama, can I talk to you, Daddy? Can I talk to you just for a moment? You don't see what you bring home. You're not seeing what spirits is following you when you go places you shouldn't go or say things that you shouldn't say. You're opening up your family to spirits that oppose the work of God. And in turn, they will affect your children who are innocent in the whole matter. I was at a church recently, the end of last year. And we were, we had great church. Everything was going good. And I walked in. I walked in and I saw a young man in the back. And, and, and you get vibes from people. There are seven dimensions of, of mankind. One of them is the vibe or the vibration dimension where you can walk by somebody and say, shake their hands and immediately something crosses your mind and you feel something from that person. Not that they're possessed, but there's vibrations that we all give off. Amen. That, that's okay. There's vibrations. And so... I walked by this young man and I, I felt something, but sometimes I'm like, oh, just because you know something doesn't mean you have to say it, you know? And, but later on in the service, he came up. He came up for prayer. And we began to pray with this young man. He was about 19 or 20 years old. And he hit the floor like a snake. And his body was doing things that were humans can't do. His mouth was wide open. His eyes rolled back and white foam shooting out of his mouth. And I looked at someone and I said, has he ever done this? Oh, yeah, he does it all the time. That's normal. I said, brother, 
That's not normal. That's a devil. So we begin to bind and loose. And we begin to pray for about an hour and a half. And, and, and he started identifying the spirits that had, had bound him. And by the time it was all said and done, he was up worshiping, talking in tongues, and God had delivered him. But he, he said this after, he said, I had no clue. He said, I had no clue. Hear me. Children are vulnerable to spirits. Children are vulnerable and open to spirits. And if they come in contact as a child and they're young, those spirits can get a hold of them and they grow up thinking they are normal. When in reality, it's invisible opposition to the plan of God and the work of God. And there are people that are sitting on church pews right now that they look the part, they act the part, they have everything just in check. You may look like you left Egypt, but you may have not left Egypt and the spirit. And this young man thanked the Lord that God delivered him from all of this junk, but he was, he was vulnerable. In fact, I'll tell you another instance. There's a young man, not a young man. There was a man in our church growing up that he got crossways with a man of God, got out of church, and he, he was a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. But he eventually lost his family and everything because he was, he, he lost his business to drugs. And his, his son, which was my age, is now operating in an alternative lifestyle. And he said this. He said, it's my fault. He said, because I went to the hotbed for homosexuality in Houston to buy drugs. He said, I bought all my drugs from the gay community. He said, and I brought those spirits back with me. And when he was a child, I brought those spirits back and they latched on to him. And now he hates God and he's living in an alternative lifestyle. But the daddy brought the spirit home. I'm talking about invisible opposition. The things that will hinder the work of God. We just look at what's on the outside. But there is an undercurrent in the spirit that will bring disunity and will hinder the work of God if we do not address it in the spirit. You don't see what you allow into your home when you start talking. When you start coming against authority. When you start expressing your opinion. And in turn, you're opening up your home and your children to those spirits. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises... Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. It's not just about what we see. It's about what we don't see. Hear me. I love when we come and we just have explosive blowout church and everybody, anything in here is talking in tongues. I love it. Hear me. I love it. But it's more than what meets the eye. It's more than the physical. We can have unity, it seems like, on an outside front. But true revival is going to take place when we come together in the spirit and we cleanse ourselves from everything that would oppose the work of God in the spirit. Spirits that affect your home. Spirits that affect your family. These spirits. Hear me, kids don't lie. 
Well, sometimes they do. But, but kids will blurt out the truth, especially younger kids. You know when kids start, you, you kind of get nervous as a parent going, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? What are they going to say? And, 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 and young people, especially when I begin to use pastor, I noticed that I could always tell the, the avenue or the vein of the thinking in the home because kids will open their mouth and they're being fed that from somewhere. They're not, they're not, um, exposed as much to know a bunch of stuff that they know. But somewhere along the way, they're hearing. They're hearing. And if you want your child to grow up unified and loving God and supporting the church and wanting harmony, then you have to do it. You have to express it verbally or keep it to yourself. Because invisible opposition will spread. All it has to do is be talked about. What you don't see is more important than what you do see. Ephesians 4 and 3 said, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Endeavoring is indicative of a work in progress. Endeavoring means we're going to have to work at this. We're going to have to keep our flesh and our spirit under subjection. We're going to have to do some binding and some loosing to bring about the unity of the spirit. When we fight in the spirit, we'll prevail in the spirit. When we fight in the flesh, we hinder the spirit. We hinder the spirit. I, you know, I just, I just want to believe that everybody wants the church to grow. I really believe that everybody in here wants the church to grow, wants to experience revival. But the reality is, we're still flesh. And as long as we're flesh, we're susceptible to spirits. And there are some people that are precious, precious, precious people. But somewhere along the way, they were vulnerable. And Satan knows when to move. Satan knows when people are at a moment where they're open, whereas before they may have been closed. And he knows how to get in there. Not that people are demon-possessed, but they're influenced by wrong spirits. And they're opposing the work of God through the invisible, invisible opposition. Stand with me right now. God's done. God's ready to move. So our responsibility as a church is we're going to do some binding and loosing tonight. That's our responsibility as the body of Christ. We can't complain about what's going wrong. We bind and loose. And when we do our part, God will do his part. When we, when we do, you know, it's one of those things. I used to work around the church, which meant that if something needed to be done, Go tell Tyler, you know. He draws a paycheck. He doesn't do nothing. Go tell him. I loved it. I'm not complaining. However, you'll find all those people, when they don't have to do it, they can find everything wrong. They can sit there and pick it to pieces. 
And you thought you had something beautiful, but when they was done, you ain't had nothing. But when they have to do it, they're not going to find nearly as much wrong. And there are people, I, I, I had them growing up when I worked at the church. They had a list for me always to do. Because they, the, they weren't the ones having to do it. And in the church, in the spirit realm, it's easy for us to start talking about people that are opposing the work of God. This is doing this. This one's doing this. This one's doing this. But our responsibility is to bind and loose and to pray. Bind and loose and pray. You fight the invisible with the invisible, not the visible. Not the visible. And if you're doing your part in praying and believing and binding and loosing, then you shouldn't have anything to complain about because you're doing your part for the kingdom of God. You're doing your part for the kingdom of God. I can't control what you do. I can control what I do. I control my prayer time. I control my, my contribution to the kingdom of God. And when, when things don't go my way, I don't talk about it. I pray about it. I pray about it. Can I just tell you something? I learned this. I learned this from my pastor. He told me this. I never believed him until I saw it many times over when I went to work for the church. Many, 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 if not all the time. Before you see it and you express displeasure about it, he already saw it. He already saw it. He's already been talking to God about it. That's how, it, that's how this thing works. It's called spiritual authority. But just because he doesn't act upon it immediately... Does it mean he doesn't know it's there? He knows. He knows. But the kingdom of God is about timing. When souls are involved, haste is dangerous. Remember that. When souls are involved, moving too fast will either hurt or cripple or drive away an individual, a soul. Souls... This is not a business. Anytime there are souls involved and it's volunteer labor, it's not a business. If you're paying somebody, you can, you can treat them as an employee. But when people are doing this because they love God, people are doing this because they love the kingdom. What you say, that's going to hurt somebody. Before you, you speak it, think, think this. This is what I had to start doing. I would go to my pastor and I'd go, do you even see this? Do you even know this is going on? And he already knew it way in advance, way in advance. But he, just because he doesn't, didn't move doesn't mean he doesn't know. It's all about timing with the kingdom of God. So when we do our part to bring about unity in the body of Christ through prayer, through binding and loosing, Binding, bind those spirits that are opposing the work of God. Bind those. Don't, don't fight that person in the flesh. We're going to bind those tonight. We're going to do some binding and loosing. 
and we loose the spirit of unity. We loose faith. We loose power in that person's life. We loose restoration in their life. Then we're fighting invisible with invisible. And we're letting God do the work in the church. We're letting God do the work in the church. Right now, all across this building, I know this is going to be different, but I want everybody to come to the front. As a church, as a body of people, I want everybody to come to the front. Everyone in the building, would you please come? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Here's what we're going to do as a church body. As a church. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just suffice to say I don't know everything what's going on. I have ideas in the spirit, what I feel, impressions of the spirit. But as a church, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to bind. We're going to begin to bind those spirits that are opposing the work of God in this church. Bind those spirits in your home. Do an self-examination of your home. You can't control somebody else's home. You can control your home. You bind those spirits in your home that you may have allowed to come into your home. Maybe you didn't even know that you allowed them, but they came. You bind those spirits and then you loose the Holy Ghost. You loose restoration. You loose faith. You loose it. Everybody across the building right now, eyes closed. Would you begin to bind, Lord, right now? We bind those spirits that are hindering the work of God. We bind those spirits in our home that we have allowed that would bring disunity to the body of Christ. We bind those things right now, God, that would be detrimental to the kingdom of God. Come on, mom and daddy. Would you bind the spirits right now? I'm talking about invisible opposition. God, we take dominion and authority right now over every spirit that is hindering the work of God. We take authority over to the Holy Ghost.